What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Welcome to a special edition of the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast. Today, instead of our usual hosts, it's the Producers Podcast. My name is Justin Milliner. I'm one of the producers on the show, along with Ariel Agami, who is lead producer. Recently, we got a chance to sit down with Meta Sandiford Artest. He's a former NBA pro spending time on the Indiana Pacers, our hometown New York Knicks, as well as winning a title with the Los Angeles Lakers in 2009. We spoke with Artest about the state of the league, including his thoughts on the new in-season tournament, as well as some of his new business ventures. Let's take a listen to some of that conversation right now. Great to be with you, Meta. Great. Always always a pleasure to hear from you and uh, to check in with you. You joined our, our hosts, Scarlett, Damian, and Michael back in 2022 to discuss uh, what's going on in the in, in your world of business. You, you're, you're, you're running uh, our test management group, uh, an incubator and accelerator company for young companies uh, with an eye towards growth. Can you give us an update as in terms of some of the projects you're working on right now uh, with your company and, and the type of investment flow you're seeing? I like uh, data-driven businesses um, to help scale my uh, members. We have about 50-plus members um, and entities, not only in America, but China, and working on taking the uh, commercial holdings company public. So that's kind of one of our goals. Are there any particular areas of the market that you like to focus on? You had mentioned healthcare previously and, and real estate. Are those still kind of your main areas or, or you're, you're sort of willing to look at any sector uh, if it makes sense for you? It just depends on where we evolve. We don't want to kind of skip. Um, but when you look at them, um, when you see like healthcare, you know, that's like a, a place where athletes typically have some type of expertise in. And maybe not, um, uh, maybe not in the books from the perspective of not studying, of, of studying, you know, maybe you didn't study it, but in terms of you taking care of your body, healthcare is a great area. Um, anything that's enterprise tech where athletes can affect outcome success, that's super interesting. Um, and, um, the sectors do range, but as we evolve as a firm, it's going to move away from just where athletes affect the outcome of success as a thesis. The thesis are probably, I'm sure, to change, which is really exciting because we're already seeing other opportunities that relates to our firm and what we're in versus when I launched it, I, I had to launch with a thesis and I just chose uh, sports kind of focus thesis, but that's going to change probably next couple of years. So, you, you know, we're, we're going to talk some basketball with you soon, uh, but one thing that jumps out about you to me 
uh, is that uh, in all areas of your life, including in business, you position yourself as a mental health care advocate and someone uh, who is outspoken about your own your own struggles, and your own battles, and you serve as an inspiration to other people, particularly young people of color. Uh, can you talk to me a little bit about um, how much uh, being a mental health care advocate, uh, how, how important that is to you and how it uh, might play into some of your choices when it comes to business, when it comes to what you're doing in your career post-basketball? Yeah, it's more um, wellness as mental health. Um, I think the the um, definition is not um, even fully developed when you think about it. Um, and then even when I launched that message, you know, I want to thank my psychologist on national television. People didn't even understand what that meant, right? Um, so that's why I like wellness. Um, using using the term wellness because that just covers everything, and it covers someone trying to get better or improve themselves physically, mentally, spiritually. Mental health is real sharp, and some people are afraid to talk about it. So you got to just mask it differently that nowadays. So that's kind of my next initiative. That I'll be leaning towards, and and Meta, as somebody who who deals with uh, a, a lot of a, a lot a lot of youth, you, I know you're involved in youth sports, and you you were at least last year out in California dealing with it's kind of up and coming players and getting them ready for the for the spotlight and dealing with these hectic schedules, especially these days with young athletes. They they so have to, have to be so highly trained and locked in to what they're doing to get to that next level. But we've also seen over the last decade plus the explosion of social media, all these different platforms, all these different really ways to, you can educate yourself, but you can also be distracted as well. Have you seen a change? It's so much different than from when you were playing. It's grown so much. Have you seen a change from the way that young players and young people more broadly are developing because of social media? And have you seen that have an impact on the mental health of, of younger people? Well, you know, I think the human interaction is kind of taking a hit things like tag freeze tag when you're young those things are becoming less existent non-existent um on the flip side is people will be able to create their own businesses you don't really need you know back in the days we had seven basic channels maybe some news outlets you know and who knows what uh, what you needed to do to make it now you can just do it on your own. That's really solid. So it's like some positives and negatives that's coming with social media. Yeah, Meta, I actually, um, so one of my side geeks here at Bloomberg is doing the Black Business Beat, where I cover a lot of things, um, anything impacting the black community uh, in terms of commerce and culture. And I recently spoke to someone from Bank of America who kind of said what you just said. I was asking her about the impact of social media in terms of business people getting educated and whether whether um, social media is having a negative effect on people in terms of them getting financial advice that might be bad. Like people follow influencers, uh, maybe the financial advice they're getting isn't good. And she kind of pushed back on that. She said, you know what, that's possible. But uh, for the first time in history, uh, a lot of young people at a young age and young young black people, young people of color uh, are starting the conversation of, of starting a business and how to be an entrepreneur and starting a conversation about how to manage their money when in years past there were no conversations about yes. that. Um, so could you speak a little bit about that, how, about how maybe 
having these conversations speaking specifically about business, but also about, as you say, mental uh, mental wellness, which I like uh, that the pivot to, to talking talking about mental health in terms of wellness as a whole. Talk about how some of these conversations are being had now uh, when maybe they weren't uh, that those same conversations weren't happening for young people, even going back 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, it's true. You know, we grew up. I mean, when you look at a lot of the issues happening with television superstars, uh, we grew up influenced by television, um, also your surroundings. But if you don't have like a upbringing parent or two parent household, you know, then you get influenced, and you now you got a kid that's influenced by TV or things that are ne- that's more negative than positive. When they make it, the money just highlights that. So. Then you get people developing bad habits based off, you know, a system that they learned here in their own country. And you can get penalized for it also. So you develop these bad habits and now, you you know, you, you, you're getting penalized because you picked up so many bad habits. So from that perspective, you know, you're not focusing on things like generational wealth planning or family building, you know, and that's the type of program I've been trying to push forward. But I, I've been getting pushed back myself from, you know, different programming. And, you know, it's it's the same people that was pushing the programming from day one is, you know, mandates is changing or times are changing, but, you know, some of the people are still the same. So they, I think the education is needed. And I think social media is a start, but I also think traditional, uh, traditional media, um, traditional television needs to also uh, catch up because you look at what's happening in America. Um, our kids don't know real estate with the exception of you have a multifamily, multi-generational family office. Like you're going to keep your money in real estate, but our children don't know real estate. And a lot of the um, foreign investments is killing um, the chances of born, um, American born citizens to even get involved in real estate. You probably have to be like a real estate broker you just do transactions, but you probably are going to have a difficult time finding a property next to a big city, you know, unless we do what they're doing in Saudi and just build, you know, some new cities, maybe somewhere in middle America. Um, you know, so from that perspective, you like, I like social media because people are learning, even TikTok, even though it's not American company, um, people are learning uh, different things on TikTok. Um, companies dying out of China owns that company. Um, but and, and that goes to our point again, in America, sometimes we're so busy um, fighting against each other, you know, and we're just letting people swoop in and take advantage of all, all the benefits we have here. You know, so from that perspective, you know, the, the, the discussions need to be had and we need to start empowering especially our, you know, call it second generation Americans, um, including our Native Americans also. Like we need to start empowering everybody here on this land, um, giving them more tools so then they can reap the benefits when we're not here. Um, Because right now it's not looking like that. It's looking like everybody else is going to reap the benefits except, you know, born Americans. Um, You know, so it's things like that that I really believe in that's important 
not only my, my business has a mission, not only just, you know, make, not only just generating capital, but it definitely has a mission that I hope to live on, you know, from generations to come. So to that point, uh, the first thing I thought about when you're talking about about this is is NIL in college. You have young people that are making a lot of money way quicker and a lot of money way quicker than maybe in history. And a lot of these people, and I like to say, uh, you know, when if you come from an underserved community, um, you can only dream what you can see. And you have people that are now 17, 18 making boatloads of money that that really, because of their background, have no point of view or, or, or knowledge of, of what they can do to handle wealth. Uh, what do you think about about the, the influx of NIL in college sports, getting uh, young, young people a lot of money? What would you do to, to create a structure and create education for young people that are coming into a lot of money that maybe come from a background where there really isn't any money? Yeah, it's crazy. The college kids is making two, three, four, five million dollars. Yeah, that's incredible. And then some people are saying it's too young. These kids is too young, you know, which is okay. It's a good business model. We, we in America, we love capitalism, but you know, when you're talking about why would we pay a young kid? Well, all right. If we don't want to pay him, pay the family. If you want to divide it up amongst the family, then divide it up. But you don't want to just give somebody else's money that they earn through their likeness skill set. Um, and give it to somebody else. Like, yeah, we have the we have the structure, the foundation, the platform could be a company or institution or basketball league or sports league, but it's a partnership. You know, the the actual person performing is the most important piece. Um, and then the people before us who created the platform is also important because you gotta have some type of structure to keep things going. Right, for the people behind us. So, yeah, great structures out there, but I think NIL is great. You know, it's, uh, give people a chance to make some money, and then we should be so teaching them they should be buying real estate. It should mandate, mandate real estate right away, like they have to buy a house or something like that. You know, I see a lot of jewelry being bought sometimes, just like we did, but that's just, you know, putting money from your, that you earn and just giving it back, hmm. you know, to other um, companies and other institutions and other structures versus saving it for your family, you know, and, and these are things that we should be talking about to, to, to the kids. And but obviously NIL wasn't around when, in your playing days, but as you've moved on from the, from the, from the league, you've, you've branched out in your investments, including uh, a recent one uh, this past year with, with, with uh, an organization called spark it, a B2B sports betting uh, startup, that uh, was launched in conjunction with Red Rock Sports, Red Rock Resorts, I should say, publicly traded on the NASDAQ, uh, ticker RRR. And I'd love to get your get your thoughts on uh, on what's going on with that business and sort of on sports gambling more broadly, because over the last few years, also sort of a change from, from your playing days, it has become so front and center. We know that people obviously have bet on sports for a long, long time, but now it's really just part of the entire sports production uh, from, on a day-to-day basis. And the, the, the viewer, the consumer, is inundated with these advertisements for, for, for betting and, and things of that nature. So I want to get your thoughts on that, but tell me a little bit about the, about the, uh, the, the, the Sparket partnership and, and, and that business model. Yeah, you know, uh, my, my firm, we're... Uh, like I said, a commercial holdings company. We have some companies we have control of the shares. Some we don't. That's part of the portfolio. And we have services, growth services, um, fiduciaries, and 
financial services, financial acceleration, marketing, consultation. So it's like a lot of things we bring to the, to get to the, to the table as a firm. Um, I'm the chairman of the firm. So we're working with Sparket to just help accelerate um, their brand, their company, you know, and, and that's pretty much what I do these days. I don't necessarily use my likeness. Um, I don't lend my likeness to anything, but my firm, I have, you know, kind of a business. Sometimes it's hard for people to think about that concept when they come to me and say, hey, you know, Meta, we want you to uh, want to party with you, maybe give you equity and use your likeness. And I'm like, I don't, I don't really do that these days, you know, respectfully. I, I have a real firm that have has services, you know, so and we see companies like Spark Ale in, in, in the betting space and we like it, right? Um, it's the appetite for it. Um, the technology behind betting is really cool. The data capturing behind betting is really cool. Um, and and uh, it's, it's only, I think it, it's, it might only be nine licenses in America right now. Maybe it's 10 now, but it's room for growth. When you look at the amount of casinos we have, the amount of people that has that have disposable income to bet, you know. Um, so uh, your company like Sparket, you know, I, I don't think they're late. You know, it, it, it's it's fairly early. I mean, companies like the other the other um, betting uh, other license betting licensed companies, they they were very early. Obviously, they're winning now, but I think it's still room for other entrepreneurs to get involved like Sparket. And what do you think, Meta, about uh, from a broader perspective about the kind of inundation of, of of the sports broadcast, the typical sports broadcast, whether it be NFL, college sports, NBA, with just the 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 push to bet more, the push for the fans to bet more, and we've seen some some issues in the NFL where guys have gotten actually ensnared in, uh, in in gambling situations and received suspensions. Is that is that fair? Should there be more? Of, is there enough guidance for both players and fans uh, to kind of avoid the uh, potential pitfalls that come with excessive gambling? I mean, is that a, is that a fear at all from from a, from a consumer perspective and perspective? And do you think the leagues yeah, are doing enough to mitigate damage there? Yeah, you definitely want to. I think maybe even put it in law. You know, you can only bet so much because you don't want. You know, yeah, maybe you're not able to bet. You know, a hundred million if you're worth twenty billion dollars. But you know what? If we're saving, you know, another American or somebody else from from themselves, then why not? Especially on the platforms. I see some platforms have have a limit, and I think that's really important because it is addicting, right? So if you have any issues as a child or whatever, any addictive habits, then that's going to be a you know you potentially be addicted and take it out on spending, like like everybody else, you know, and so that that goes into teaching, you know, our call um, citizens, you know, um, just helping them help themselves, and I think that's really important because we have seen people lose their shirt gambling. Even though I like the gambling space, uh, my firm is pursuing different things in gambling, um, also. But at the same time, you want to make sure you're protecting, the, you know, the future a, a future family. Um, homeowner, you know, because um, like I said, there's so many, so much bad habits that we develop, and spending could just highlight, you know, those bad habits. And Meta, what about Las Vegas uh, having emerged as a really 
the premier sports destination over the last few years, we're basically seeing a situation where the only thing missing now is an NBA team. And we've heard LeBron James discuss how he wants to be part of the ownership group for when a franchise eventually lands in Vegas. Seems like a foregone conclusion. We already have a WNBA team there. The reigning champions are there. So it seems like only a matter of time before the NBA lands in Las Vegas. What are your thoughts on that city now, with everything that goes along with it, the glitz, the glamour, the entertainment, the gambling, how about that as a as the premier sports destination in America? Does that make sense to you? Does that feel right to you? Or are you are you okay with that? Yeah, I think Vegas is great. It's like, you know, not expensive to live. Taxes are great. It's definitely um, a sports hub right now. Now you got new streaming, you know, Betting within the streaming platforms, all types of incredible stuff. And don't forget the um, Sphere meta. Don't forget that that James Dolan right built there, the structure out there that looks insane. That everybody wants to, to to check out. It looks like an amazing experience there. I think the Summer League, I believe, is going to be there in 2024, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's great. I mean, uh, the Cup is it, 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 awesome. You can you can bet on it. I heard they generate a lot of revenue. It's fun for the players. I wish I had it. You know, to play for something in the middle of the season, the beginning of the season, actually. Um, you know, it just makes the game way more fun. Um, I, I, yeah, I didn't get it at first. I mean, I actually did get it because I, I do a lot of different things creatively with, with sports. So I kind of understood it. I didn't think the NBA would do something like that. That just goes to show you that they got something even bigger up their sleeve. Because this is just a start, you know, and they, they're going to accelerate whatever they got going. But I thought it was incredible. And I like how it looks different, too. That's actually that's really cool. That's Meta Sandiford, our test and a special conversation with some of the Bloomberg Business of Sports producers, Ariel Agami and me, Justin Milliner. We appreciate you listening. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. You can do that on Apple, Spotify or anywhere else you get your podcasts. For Ariel Agami, I'm Justin Milliner. Your regular hosts, Michael Barr, Scarlett Fu, and Damian Sassauer will be back this week with an all-new episode. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.